Tuesday, September 19th, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, crack foundation, Boeing foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com along with you for the next two hours. With my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. Cam, what's up, pal? You know, safe. We're secure. We're locked away here, away from whatever madness is happening across the street from it's us. It's always entertaining. I can tell you that. Working downtown. We're all right. Right beside the sea train lines. It's never a boring day here. I have coworkers still staring out the windows. Go look at the window, Cam. It looks like something's happening. Listening on the podcast, you'll probably hear it on the news later. There's just police. I'll be right back. Everything. It's just been so exciting. Can't get enough of it. Maybe we'll bring you news updates as to how secure the building is over the next few hours. There will be sports talk, though. Exciting news here at Sportsnet 960. The fan to share with you. We'll check some Blue Jays baseball. Jays opening up a key series with the New York Yankees tonight. Ben Shulman's going to join us, Sportsnet Radio Network analyst. And Brendan Parker, our pal from Flames TV, is going to join us. Fresh off of uh, coming back from Penticton, the Young Stars Classic. Park's back on the mic with some awesome play-by-play duties over the weekend, calling all three of the Flames games in Penticton. We'll check out uh, what uh, life's like for Parks ahead of another Flames season and see uh, who he thought was a standout in Penticton for the Young Stars Classic for the Calgary Flames. So lots to get to. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960. The fan run to the fan feedback line. Always open to you at 960-960. Feel free to shoot us a text on this Tuesday. But starting off the day with some exciting news here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, if you've been on social media today, you've seen the announcement. Came out a couple hours ago. Uh, we're very happy to welcome in our new Flames radio analyst, Megan Mickelson. We'll be joining Derek Wills and Pat Steinberg on our Calgary Flames coverage. That is two-time Olympic gold medalist. Same Megan Mickelson who was with fellow Olympian Natalie Spooner, a runner-up on Amazing Race Canada. Just an all-around outstanding person, a great analyst. She was doing some Flames coverage on the TV side of things last year. Here in Calgary, and very excited to welcome Megan uh, to our family here at Sportsnet 960, the fan. And you'll hear her on your airways for the first time coming up on Sunday. Our first preseason game is here at the Scotiabank Sound on your flame, taking on the Vancouver Canucks. You can also uh, get a little bit of a taste of uh, how should this whole process happen for Megan. She'll join Pat on Flamestock a little bit later on on this Tuesday. So once again, uh, congratulations to Megan. We're really excited to have her join the team here at uh, Sportsnet 960. The fan can't wait for the season to begin with Derek and Pat up in the Flames booth. So that's the exciting news today for the Calgary Flames. Other NHL news to get to today as well. The Calgary Flames. Still not with, uh, still not naming a captain yet. Training camp on the horizon, but plenty of other teams getting that business done ahead of time. We know the Vancouver Canucks named Quinn Hughes their next captain. 
Winnipeg followed it up with Adam Lowry as their next captain. And today, the St. Louis Blues named Braden Shen the 24th captain in team history. Let's take you to St. Louis for uh, the announcement earlier today with Doug Armstrong at the helm, uh, introducing Braden Shen as the next captain in Blues franchise history. Braden Shen has experience, courage, toughness, and knowledge that is needed for this group now and moving forward. It is Craig's and my privilege now to present Braden with his new jersey with the C proudly stitched on. Uh, I just want to say uh, uh, thanks to everyone for coming. And uh, uh, most importantly, those guys sitting to the left of me right now, uh, my teammates, it's a pretty special day, um, you know, standing up here, uh, being the captain of the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, something I'll remember forever, but, you know, remember you guys showing up for me, uh, you know, means a lot. Uh, these are the guys that I uh, come to battle and, and, and war every day and enjoy being at the rink with them. So I just want to say thanks to you guys. Um, thanks to uh, uh, Mr. Stillman um, and the ownership team, uh, Doug and his man management team and, and chief and the, the coaching staff for uh, believing in me that uh, me and, uh, you know, my the leaders that we have on our team as well with, with Justin and Colton and, and Robert, that we are the guys to, uh, you know, uh, get this team in the right direction, um, you know, lean on each other and, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, keep pushing it forward in the right direction. Uh, St. Louis Blues is a, uh, you know, pretty historic franchise with many great leaders. If you look around, um, you know, the list of guys have been the captain of the St. Louis Blues before with, you know, the Plager brothers to Bernie Federico, uh, kind of the, uh, era of I grew up watching with Gretzky Hall, uh, Pronger, McInnes, um, you know, to be uh, in history with the St. Louis Blues of, of being a captain with those guys, it's, it's pretty special and a tremendous honor and I'm excited for the opportunity and challenge and, you know, most recently with, with Petro and Ryan O'Reilly too. Uh, I've learned a ton from those guys. Those guys were great leaders, different leaders and, uh, you know, just from my experiences, um, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, lean on that uh, kind of over my 13 years that I've been playing and, and uh, you know, like I said, move this thing in the right direction. And, you know, I see our team to uh, hold ourselves and the organization to hold ourselves to a high standard um, that, um, you know, we, we have a vision for this team that we feel uh, we have goals that we are going to achieve this year. And, and uh, like I said, everyone's hungry and ready to go this year. And, and uh, there's a good energy in our locker room right now. Uh, I know camp hasn't started, but uh, there's a good excitement. And, and we're looking forward to, um, you know, this upcoming season. Open it up for questions. How did Doug inform you about the uh, C? And can you describe your emotion when you found out? Yeah, just... Uh, uh, I got a text on Wednesday afternoon, so obviously, uh, you know, long off season, and and uh, we're unsure of obviously the direction of kind of what was going to happen. But and they just met with them Friday morning. So, like I said, between uh, the four of us that are going to be a part of the leadership crew, um, you know, there and um, you know, not only that, uh, with the four guys, it's it's ever in our locker room. We have guys that have won cups, guys that have a ton of experience. So, um, you know, the guys that are going to have voices that the four of us can lean on and. and um, you know, like I said, get this thing moving uh, to where it needs to be. So congratulations to Braden Shen, the 24th captain in Blues franchise history. That leaves seven NHL vacancies for captains around the league. We uh, know the Chicago Blackhawks will not name a captain this year. 
GM Cal Davidson said they will just use a group of assistant captains heading forward this season. Uh, we know Calgary is going to name one. We know they're the last remaining Canadian team to not have a captain name, but also vacancies with the Seattle Kraken, Philadelphia Flyers, the Coyotes, the Ducks, the Bruins are in need of a new captain with Patrice Bergeron retiring. Do we see a David Pasternak or a Brad Marchand take things over there? Uh, and of course, the Calgary Flames conversation, the one that we've taken in depth over the summer and into the beginning of the fall here. Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Wieger, still a lot of love out there, clearly for his teammates for Michael Backlund to be in consideration for that role, but now just seven remaining uh, in the NHL, including your Calgary Flames. So again, wait and see. Time running out for it to be before training camp, but never know. Could get uh, could get news before whatever we do know that we are. We're going to see a captain for this team uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, also taking a quick look at last night's schedule in the NFL. Doubleheader, Monday night football last night. Had the channels flipping just an hour between the two games for kickoff, uh, but they finished in much different uh, timings. Steelers and Browns, Saints and Panthers will start with the Saints and the Panthers where a practice squad running back was asked to step up big time for the Saints and help them to a win over the Panthers. And Jones... Makes the cut and scores from the practice squad to the end zone. What a night for Tony Jones Jr. Yes, elevated from the practice squad due to an injury to Jamal Williams. Alvin Kamara still suspended for the Saints. And Tony Jones Jr. gets in scoring his first and second career touchdowns as the Saints hold on to beat the Panthers 20-17. to Your final score, Tony Jones, obviously after four years in the league, Finally elevated to a starter's role, even though just because of injuries, uh, he was still very excited at post-game to have the opportunity to get into the end zone a couple of times and even got his wife a nice birthday gift uh, with one of those touchdown balls. I already knew it was a Teddy before they even play. I mean, the play play happened. I was like, I don't care what I got to do. I'm scoring this one. It didn't matter. I mean, four four years in the league, man. And, you know, you know, uh, I mean, like it take, takes a while, but, hey, like it's here. I mean, like I scored on my wife's birthday tomorrow, so bless, man. <laughs> yeah, you feel know what I'm saying? Hey, so I mean, te- technically, that uh, ball wasn't even for me. I mean, that ball for her, but that second second one, that's mine. That's mine right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, def- definitely got to keep both. <laughs> of course, you keep both, Cam. The first two touchdowns. Why wouldn't you? That's a tutty. You're remembering that forever. Have you ever heard a touchdown referred to as a tutty? I've not, but I might have to start calling it you, you a might. tutty. I don't know that you have the same je ne sais quoi as oh, one Tony, uh, Tony Jones Jr. <laughs> I don't, but it, it does feel like a That's bit a of a hockey term calling a touchdown a tutty, so I might have to pick that up. But this is football. Yes. You know that, right? Yes. There's a difference. F- football? Yeah. The Arizona... We're still getting it. Shut up. <laughs> I need that from you. Hi, Taylor. Hello. How's it going? I'm tired. How are you? I'm just wonderful. How was the train ride in? Are you alive? It was It was phenomenal. As long as you weren't on that train across to the station from us, then I think you're okay. Glad to have you with us. I did have to book it all the way here from City Hall, so... We appreciate you. That's why you're an outstanding producer. 110% right there. That's why you're the GOAT. And Cam is... The... Cam. 
the. Taylor, would you refer to a touchdown as a tutty? Or is that you got to be a player to do that? I mean, I feel like it's a player thing. There's right. a certain swagger he says it with. He's so happy. I already knew it was a tutty before. I knew it was a tutty. Got that southern draw. I already knew it was a tutty. But that's even the better part of it was he's like, I knew it was. We lined up. I knew we were scoring. Yeah, I knew that tough. was going to be a tutty. I kind of love it. <laughs> it might be my new favorite word. A tutty. So Tony Jones Jr. with a couple of tutties. Tutty Jones Jr. Double tutty. That's a double tutty. That's what that is. He helps the Saints to a big victory. They are 2-0 to start the season. The Derek Carr era in New Orleans off to a very good start. Bryce Young, not quite as lucky. One of the top picks in this year's draft. 22 of 33, 153 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Wasn't able to get much going offensively. This is something I've talked about plenty of times with these young quarterbacks. Give Bryce Young time. I, I wouldn't even be starting Bryce Young if I was the Carolina Panthers. As talented as he is, the rest of your team is not talented. Adam Thielen is your top receiver. Miles Sanders is not a starting running back without help in this league. You have to give him more weapons to be successful. Is there a good quarterback there? Absolutely. But I don't know if I'm the Panthers and I want him running around for his life every night because he can't find a receiver to get open. It's a, it's a very classic problem in the NFL. Young quarterback's going to come in and, and solve all of our problems. But get the young man some help. Get him some receivers. Get him some help on the O-line. And I think Bryce Young will be just fine uh, as the future quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. You also had the Steelers and the Browns. What a wild one. Last night from Pittsburgh, a back-and-forth affair between the Browns and the Steelers, an AFC North classic rivalry. And, man, T.J. Watt had his fingers all over this one, including the Steelers' defensive score to separate and finish this game for Pittsburgh. He'll show blitz. Here he comes. Pressure ball out. Picked up. Watt. Touchdown, Steelers. Yes, that uh, late scoop and score from T.J. Watt helps the Steelers to a 26-22 victory over the Cleveland Browns in a back-and-forth affair in Pittsburgh. T.J. Watt also became the franchise leader in sacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the win. But uh, for Cleveland, this was a double loss, not only dropping a game to their division rival, but you've probably seen the replay, unfortunately, by now of the injury to running back Nick Chubb. He is out for the season. Uh, Kevin Stefanski announcing that today after an MRI showed multiple torn ligaments in his knee. It was just a, a brutal play. Minka Fitzpatrick goes low on a tackle. His knee essentially wraps around Fitzpatrick. It's an ugly, ugly replay, and you feel for Nick Chubb who uh, did some pretty significant damage to that same knee back in 2015 and will now miss the entire season. That's a huge loss for the Browns, not only on the field, but off of it. And you can hear from star defensive end last night, Miles Garrett, just how big of a loss this is going to be for Cleveland going forward. Uh, hurts. I mean, that's it's our brother. It's my brother. And uh, I've been together for a long time. 
I mean, it took well for the whole team, and we don't want his injury to be in, in vain. And we got to push on. You know, that's what he wants us to do. And if he had any choice in running, that's what he would do. So we just got to continue to uh, uh, fight and use his motivation. Yes, so uh, Nick Chubb will undergo surgery, season-ending knee injury. Browns now 1-1 one and one on the season following that loss. Next up, week three kicks off on Thursday night. The New York Giants, who saved themselves from a depressing 0-2 start to the year with a comeback win over the Arizona Cardinals last week, now have to walk into San Fran for Thursday night football against the 2-0 49ers. That's a 6-15 kickoff to start week three coming up on Thursday. Also, some injury news around the uh, NFL today as well. Uh, Saquon Barkley's ankle injury may not be as serious as previously thought. Head coach Brian Dable saying that his ankles improved greatly since Sunday and there is a chance for Saquon to play in that Thursday night matchup against the 49ers. So that's good news. Bad news for the Panthers, linebacker Shaq Thompson likely out for the season with a fractured fibula and no timeline for Charger star running back Austin Eckler to return from an injury of his own. That according to Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. So lots of injury news around the NFL. Feel for Nick Chubb. Hopefully a quick recovery for anybody suffering from those kind of major injuries, but uh, the NFL season rolls on. Continuing again, like I mentioned, on Thursday. Also, Jays game day. We'll chat more about the Jays coming up in just a few moments with Ben Shulman. But it is a 5.05 first pitch tonight against the New York Yankees from Yankee Stadium. You say Kikuchi gets the mound for Toronto, 9-6 and six on the year. 3.81 ERA in just over 153 innings pitched this season. Clark Schmidt will go for the Yankees. He holds a 9-8 and eight record with a 4.56 ERA and 146 innings pitched. As we enter action today, Toronto holding down the second wildcard spot in the American League. A full game up on the Seattle Mariners, who sit at 82-68. and 68. Texas also with that 82-68 and 68 mark. So the Jays with a little bit of breathing room, thanks to Texas dropping four in a row in part with uh, three to Cleveland and then a result on Monday where they were doubled up by the Red Sox four to two. Still a confusing group for the Toronto Blue Jays. I wish I had more answers. Maybe Ben Shulman can provide some of those for us uh, a little bit later on. Plus, keep it locked here a little bit later on in hour two. We're going to chat with Brendan Parker, fresh off of the Young Stars Classic in Penticton and getting set for another Flames season. Our pal from Flames TV is going to stop by and tell us uh, who he thought stood out most in the Young Stars Classic in Penticton. And uh, just to look back at one of their favorite trips of the year for Flames TV and the rest of the crew. So looking forward to chatting with Parks. That's as Sportsnet Today rolls on. Jay's talk with Ben Shulman is around the corner. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's a game day for the Toronto Blue Jays. A 5.05 first pitch here in Calgary. In New York against the Yankees. Just series against New York and Tampa Bay remain for the Toronto Blue Jays who enter action today in the second wild card spot in the American League and entering in what no doubt will be a defining stretch of their season. Help us chat some Blue Jays baseball on a game day. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome in our pal. 
from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto and the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's our pal Ben Schulman joining us this afternoon. Ben, thanks for the time, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it as always, pal. I'll start off with a really, really easy, simple one, given how the Jays' schedule has gone the last couple of weeks here. Uh, what is this Toronto Blue Jays team, Ben, in, in the best of your ability uh, to explain it to our listeners? Uh, it is a, a heavy pitching first baseball team. I, I think we're we're way too late, frankly, at this point. To despite the talent, think that the offense is going to be anything different than it has been for the first 150 games of the year. So you know they're a team that certainly has some talented offensive players, but they rely upon strong starting pitching, a strong bullpen. They're still you know they're one of the best pitching teams in all of baseball even with what happened in that Texas series now two series ago. So they're a team that's going to rely heavily upon can they pitch, and, and sometimes they, uh, they come up with the timely hits they need as well. Is it a positive in your mind that this team was able to bounce back from that series sweep against Texas to have such a strong series against Boston? We know how their record against the AL East has been this year, Ben, and I think some people probably will still look at that as these last few series go against New York and Tampa Bay, but as far as you know, bouncing back from what we thought was such a key series, is that a positive in your mind for this group? Absolutely. I think at this point in the season, a sweep like what they just had, I mean, that can end your year. Like They looked really, really bad against a team that they are in complete competition with you know like absolute direct competition there's no one they're fighting with more than texas and seattle really so to, to get swept in four games by texas felt like it could be the backbreaker of the year and even though not all the wins were the prettiest wins of all time uh, to come back and pick up three wins over boston to make that you know a team that you at least were six and seven against this year when you started the year against boston oh and seven i, I think you have to take that as a positive, at least given what had gone on in the first half of the year. So, again, they, they need to hit more than they did in that series. They were not the cleanest wins of all time. But I, I think for the Blue Jays, it was huge to bounce back like that. And uh, it showed in the standings. I mean, they went from outside of the wild card after the end of the Texas series to ahead of Texas and Seattle by the end of the Boston series. And now, possible for this team to use that as a springboard? against the remaining AL East opponents in your mind against New York and Tampa Bay, like we're going to see here over the final two weeks of the season? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that with the exception now of the Orioles, they have shown that they can compete with these AL East teams. Have they had a good year against the AL East? I think absolutely not. But now it's, you know, they're six and seven against Boston. They're three and four against Tampa Bay. They're three and four against uh, the Yankees this year, they can they can go in there and beat these teams, and they look like a, a different team than they did in that rough stretch in May when they really lost a lot of games to the AL East, losing four game sets to both the Yankees and Tampa Bay back-to-back, if I remember correctly. So I, I think it's huge for them. A couple walk-off wins, too, for you know some guys that were struggling, whether it was the walk-off by Whit Merrifield the first day or Matt Chapman the second day. Both those guys definitely were in a little bit of a need of a, a big offensive moment. And I, I think it's big for the Blue Jays to get those wins and, and who got them those wins specifically as well. Uh, I, I don't know if we've had a chance to chat with you, Ben, specifically since David Schneider got the call-up. I, I don't think you and me have specifically, but what has he brought to the club in your mind just having a, another option for, for John Schneider to throw out there in the lineup? And I guess as we enter a, a potential playoff picture, is there a way that you see this Toronto team, if they do end up in the playoffs without David Schneider in that starting lineup for a potential game one? 
I, I would imagine that he's in any starting lineup that you're going to put together. I mean, you, you never know, I guess, based on the pitching matchups, if for some reason they wanted a ton of left-handed hitters in there, maybe he ends up getting bumped because a guy like Kevin Biggio, who plays the same position at second base a lot of the time, is also playing well. But, I mean, he has been huge. He's brought – I just think he brought a jolt to this team in mid-July, a, a big boost offensively. They haven't gotten some of the production from some of their top guys that they were looking for, and all of a sudden he comes in and – and replaces a lot of that lost production, especially power-wise. Um, I, I think there you know, has been a lot of sentiment, and I understand why that the Blue Jays just haven't hit enough this year, like they have too much swing and miss, but the numbers would tell you they actually hit for a pretty high average, and they get on base, and they don't strike out a ton, but they didn't hit a lot of home runs. I mean, their leading home run hitter is Waddy at 24. With Bichette injuries, he hasn't passed 20 yet. Chapman and Springer also not hitting as many home runs as they thought they would. So to get a guy up like Schneider who can really flip games with one big swing, they needed that. And they, they continue to need more of that going forward. He's in like a, a little bit of a funk here. That's probably just more of like things correcting himself. He wasn't going to be the greatest baseball player of all time in the, in the first half season that he ever played. But uh, he, he has been just massive, I think, especially with the power. I thought it was interesting today just going through the stat pack, getting ready for tonight's game and, and seeing the fact that through 150 games last year, Ben, the Jays were one win better than this year's Jays squad, but it feels like we're talking about uh, a completely different squad. This team where we're talking about underachieving and, you know, having to fight their way in. Is there a bit of a, is it a bit of a perception thing in your mind too, that, that so much, there's so much pressure on this team maybe compared to last year's team, just given what the expectations were for this group heading into the year? Because, look, I mean, as you look in other divisions and other places around the league, if you were 14, 15 games above 500 in most other divisions and most other conferences, you'd be pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think perception plays into it. You know, I, I think, you know, I happen to do Jay's talk and some of that and of the postgame shows, and we get some sentiment like, this is the worst Jay's team to watch or this is the most frustrating. I, I think I think that you know they they have definitely been a, a frustrating team to watch at times. I wouldn't deny that, but I think the expectation plays a huge deal into it. This is the second year in a row that people have thought they really have a shot, and I think a lot of people thought they had an even better shot this year because one of their major problems was pitching last year, and they looked like they had added to that in the off season, and that became very true. We didn't even realize how good the pitching was going to be. They added some defense, and and so we thought it would kind of just be this you know, monster team where they pitch really well, they hit really well, they defend really well, kind of like the Atlanta Braves or something like that, where you can't really pick out a weakness. What, what no one saw coming really is uh, some regression from some of the guys that either, uh, you know, carried over year to year. I think that's the, a big part of the team that's probably regressed or some of the guys that have come over as well and haven't performed yet uh, to the level that fans and other people around the team thought they would. So I think the expectation plays a big part of it. Like you said, I mean, they are by no means a bad baseball team. They're in a playoff spot. They, you know, they're 15 games up. Like you said, they should be better than they are probably, but they also like, they're not San Diego or St. Louis or one of these teams where they should have coasted to the playoffs. And instead they're not even in the picture. Like they have been much better than that. So I I think sometimes people are probably getting on them a little more than what's warranted for the record. But at the same time, people want to win. And I get that. And the blue Jays have at least a solid track record. Once they get into the playoffs of, of winning rounds and making things interesting, but they were not expected to to make it interesting before the playoffs this year. And, And I can see why people are frustrated by that. 
Is there anything to learn in your mind, Ben, about this team in these final two series against New York and Tampa Bay? Or are we pretty certain we know what this group is and, and how they can be deployed? I just, I'm curious, and I ask that in a position more from, a say, a Tampa Bay sense because we know the Jays have struggled specifically against AL teams in playoff spots this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there isn't so much to learn in the final 12 games. Like, I do think these guys are mostly what they are. I, I think the thing we learn is like, hey, Vladdy's hit three home runs in the last four games. Are, are we going to learn that he saved his best for last, kind of? Which, again, feels like an, a, a long shot at this point, but it's possible. Or, or you know, is uh, George Springer just snapped a long over? Is he about to go on one of these classic late-season or postseason George Springer runs that we're about to see? But in terms of, you know, are they going to – they can't really pitch any better than they're going to. I, I think they're going to defend as well as everyone expects them to. And I'm not sure even if they went and they, they were hitting, you know, everything on the screws and scoring a ton of runs, would I necessarily change my mind about this team offensively at this point? Like, they'd have to – I don't know. They'd have to score, like, 120 runs in the last 12 games to really, yeah. you know, make a major impact on their offense. So, I, I think that, you know, it's – it's kind of like gut check time. And I think we learned a little bit about that already on the weekend when they're coming off the sweep and they find a way to sweep an AL East team. So you just learn, I think a little bit about how much more they have in the tank and how much they can reach for at the end of a long season. But in terms of, of how the team's going to try and win games, I, I think at this point it's, it's pretty spelled out. Who would you look to most to step up in this crucial stretch for the Toronto Blue Jays here? We know what's in front of them. We know a playoff spot is, is well within reach. If they can win nine games down the stretch here, they'll guarantee themselves uh, a playoff spot. We've had some different heroes over the last couple of days, whether it was Dalton Varsho or, or Matt Chapman. I'm curious, Ben, from your perspective, who you see on this group that could step up the most and maybe ease the path in the postseason for the Jays uh, if he steps up. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll cross off Vladdy because I think he's an easy answer, but he does. For sure. He rakes it. Uh, the Yankees in his career. So I do think he's a guy to look out for in the six Yankee games, at least I'll, I'll go George Springer. I, I think, uh, you know, Springer has had ups and downs. You know, he, he had some prolonged tough stretches and some prolonged, really good stretches. And it, it's kind of rounded out to what is a, a pretty league average year by a lot of the runner, by a lot of the numbers. Like it, it has not, you know, an all-star season or something like that. Uh, from George Springer, and, and he's a guy that, you know, when you pay him the money you pay him, you pay like half of it for the last two months of the season and half of it for the first four or five months of the season. So I think he's a guy with the experience that, that they really look for to help with this offense. He's obviously the leadoff hitter too, so to a certain extent he just set the tone that way. But I, I think if, if they can really get Springer rolling right now, He's so huge because, you know, we've seen it. I mean, we saw it four or five years in a row with Houston. Uh, he was not necessarily the best player on those Houston teams, whether it be a Jose Altuve or Bregman or Correa with him. But in the playoffs, he certainly looked like the best player on a lot of those teams. And I think he has an ability to get these two, three-week stretches where you just can't get him out. He hits like six, seven homers in a couple weeks and, and just lights the world on fire. So I, I think if he got really hot, that would be really big for the Blue Jays. Uh, ben Schulman's along with us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Blue Jays Radio Network and Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, as you get set for this series against the Yankees, you're going to start things off with Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, it's been a, a bit of a downstretch record-wise for Yusei the last couple of starts, but he's also been a victim, I think, of, of every 
Jays pitcher when I say this, Ben, that he hasn't got a lot of run support in his last couple outings as well. So you always have to take that into account. Are we uh, talking still enough about how good Yusei Kikuchi's been for this team and after the bounce back that he needed from what was a disastrous first year with the Jays? We're trying to, but I don't know if you can. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's it's so remarkable. I, I think that you look at him and you look at Barrios. Like, Barrios last year was the worst qualified starter in ERA in all of Major League Baseball. He's having what's likely a career year. Kikuchi wasn't even in the rotation by this time last year. I mean, a month before this time last year, he wasn't even in the rotation at this point. Like, Ross Stripling had passed him. They were trading for guys like Mitch White. It was it was a complete non-starter that you were going to have that guy go out and start a game for you. And so it has been huge, even with the recent tough starts. Even if his last two starts of the year aren't impeccable, what he's done for them this season and and really elevated the rotation by, you know, not being – what we thought it was going to be, which is like, okay, fifth starter, go five innings, give up two or three runs, and we'll see what happens. But instead, pitch into sixth and seventh innings, really win some games for the Blue Jays and, and dominate a couple games as well. It, it's been huge, and it's super encouraging, too, when you have him locked down for next year, too, that I think he's going to be a huge factor for the Blue Jays next year. But it, it has been great to see you say bounce, bounce back. He obviously has a ton of talent. He's a lefty who throws really hard with a lot of movement, and now that he's kind of just got it in and around the zone, he doesn't have to be that pinpoint. Yeah. But now that guys are worrying about it, he, he's a problem. And, and I'm excited to see what he has against what, uh, you know, isn't exactly a, a high-powered offense in the New York Yankees. Yeah, and I guess uh, even to add on to that a bit, is it going to be exciting to see you say in a bit of a pressure situation here? Because you're right, you know, Yankees aren't going to the playoffs, but we're not expecting them to roll over in these games for the Jays. It still means a lot for the Jays in the standings. And, just based on how everything went last year, we didn't really see you say in any of these spots for Toronto. I'm I'm curious to see if a bit of the you know the aura of being in New York for a big game, how that goes, because it wouldn't surprise me to see him if the Jays are in a playoff spot. Ben get some important innings for this team down the stretch. Yeah, I, I still think that that third spot is not a hundred percent decided. I wouldn't be surprised if they're leaning in directions, but I think these are. You know, if the Blue Jays make the playoffs, I think these are important starts for their starters to try and audition. And we, you know, we saw a good start from Chris Bassett last time. He went out there, he went seven innings, uh, two runs against the Red Sox. Certainly, he wants to pitch in the playoffs for this team. And Yusei wants to. And so does Hyunjin Ryu, who has been good for the Blue Jays. So uh, for Kikuchi, it, it will be some of his highest pressure starts. Uh, I mean, will be the highest pressure in his Blue Jay career. He did pitch, you know, in, in some, at least some runs for the Seattle Mariners, even though they weren't a playoff team in the time that he was there. So these are huge. He pitched pretty well in New York last year or against the Yankees, at least last year, if I'm not mistaken, that was early in the season before things kind of broke down. So maybe that, you know, settles it a little bit, but it, it it should be a lot of fun. I I think that if you say Kikuchi can go out and pitch a really good game against the Yankees and then probably gets the start against the Yankees again, frankly, or, or maybe he lines up with the Rays. I, I don't have the math in front of me exactly, but these last two starts, I, I, I think could be really, really huge for him. And if he pitches even solid, I, I would probably bet on him to start a third playoff game if the Blue Jays were to make it there. Uh, ben, just as we sort of wrap things up with you here, I was going to ask you what you want to see from this Jays team down the stretch as we head into the final you know, couple series down the way, but I, I kind of tend to lean that it's a bit too obvious. You'd like to see the bats kind of provide that consistent offense. So I, I guess I'll switch it up a bit and I'll say, what do you not want to see from this group? What are those kind of tendencies that they've gotten into in your mind 
that have given them trouble this year that you don't want to creep in to these last couple of weeks ahead of the postseason? Uh, I'll say the biggest one for me is not giving away stuff on the basis because at the end of the day, the hitting, you know, like you said, that's what we need to see. And maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. They, they've been a, an average offensive team or slightly below average the whole year. So who knows? But I think that makes it double as important that they don't make mistakes out on the base pass. And I know the big one recently was Vlad, but there was also a mistake from Bo Bichette in that game. We saw also in the Boston series, Alejandro Kirk ran into a couple outs. There was some line out double plays. They need to be tight on the bases so that when they have the opportunities, because they don't know how often they're going to come, they're in the best chance to score runs. So I, I think for them, especially against a really, really tight defensive team like the Tampa Bay Rays, you, you can't give anything away. Once you get guys on, you need to take the extra 90 feet where you can get it. I, I don't want them to not be aggressive, but they need to be able to not give away outs on the base pass when, when they're unforced and when they can be avoided. Ben, appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, you got any book? To, you're going to be on the air for anything? Are you doing Jay's talk with with show down the stretch here? I actually will have uh, will have this weekend off. I'm going to be in New York, which will be kind of fun. Oh, so nice. uh, visiting some family there, and uh, we'll see the Jays. But show and I will be back uh, doing the pregame show coming up for the last weekend of the season when the Jays take on the Rays with potentially some big stakes. So that that will be on on at least 590, but also on the app uh, for people who want to go listen to that. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff. You and Chauvin doing great work all year long. Enjoy your time in New York, pal. We'll chat with you again soon, hey? Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. Take care. Ben Shulman joining us. Sportsnet Radio Network, Jays Talk, a little bit of everything for our friends at Sportsnet 590, the fan. In Toronto, Jays getting set for a crucial series against the New York Yankees tonight. 5.05, first pitch right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, you can watch the game on the Sportsnet television network. Will Kevin Biggio disappoint once again for Taylor? Or uh, will the Jays pick up a key win in this series? Excuse me. What? Excuse me, there's no disappointing. He couldn't disappoint you? Is that what you're saying? There is no disappointment? There, there is not going to be any disappointment. Just blind faith at that point. Wow. Hmm. I don't know, man. Cool. This, mm-hmm. this blind loyalty to mm-hmm. Gavin Biggio concerns me. Mm-hmm. He's, been, he's been okay. Um, excuse me? He's been all right. Mm-hmm. He's been okay. He's been the only offense. He's been helpful. He has been the only offense. He's, he hasn't been the only Got offense. Got zero RBIs in the last, or sorry, one RBI in the last four games. Okay, but how many runs? Three. And how many of those were game winners? I don't know. I didn't watch the game. So many of them. <laughs> Stunning that Cam didn't watch the game. What? Couldn't have, couldn't have seen that one coming. I watched some. How many? Once I'm paid to work, those those are <laughs> that's what one a month. So the one tonight I'll be watching. Maybe one a week and a half ago. Wow, ish. You know, Cam Hughes keeping up with the Blue Jays. That's right, Jays reporter coming up. No, ah! just <laughs> you imagine? No, <laughs> <laughs> me neither. I'm not gonna lie, I couldn't see that. Nope, that's okay. Me neither. Taylor, not, different, not different story. Cam, eh. Eh. less so. 
Uh, Jays have a clear path to the postseason. If they can pick up nine wins over these final games against the Rays and the Yankees, that'll get them to 91 wins. That would guarantee them a postseason spot with Texas and Seattle having seven remaining matchups against each other. So all of a sudden, the fan graphs, playoff odds are once again in the Jays' favor. They dipped down to, I want to say it was 40, I think I saw it at 42% or something like that after the Texas series. It's as high as 78% now on fan graphs. So you can say there's been a major swing. Now it helps that Texas has lost four in a row. Seattle's been pretty inconsistent. They picked up a win uh, last night against the A's, 5 nothing, but they had lost three in a row there. So it, it's that simple right now for the Jays. You keep up picking up wins, and Texas and Seattle drops a game here or there. You're looking pretty good, but we have to see it. I, I still, the series against the Yankees, certainly not a walk in the park, certainly not a giveaway. This Yankees team. Not going to make the postseason, but like I said with Ben, also not going to gift the Jays anything. The record against the AL East has been terrible this year. If you're Toronto, you need to turn that around. And then it's the double whammy against the Rays. Might even be a triple whammy against the Rays in the sense that Tampa Bay always plays you hard. They're a playoff team, and they're in your division. Those are all things that have gone against you if you're the Toronto Blue Jays this year. It's now or never to change the narrative. You control your own fate. Lots of people, myself included, uh, I think wrote this team off after that Texas loss, and I'm still, I, I'm still skeptical because I, I just haven't seen the offense provide enough for this great pitching and defense that they've had year all year long. But at least get to the playoffs. We're talking as big of a disaster as you could possibly imagine for this team to not be a playoff team at the bare minimum. Like that's scraping the bottom of the barrel of expectations. If you're the Toronto blue Jays. And if you want to believe, if you want to be eternal optimist that anything can happen once you get to the postseason, you can absolutely play that game. It's happened more times than I can count across baseball and across professional sports. So there's probably that aspect to it as well. If you're the Toronto Blue Jays, that if you get in, you never know who gets hot. You never know if the matchups line up perfectly for you. You could see this team go on a big run. Am I convinced of that just yet? No, but it certainly would, I think, calm a lot of the fires that have been raging in Toronto about this team if they were at least able to secure a playoff spot and, and then we can sort of go from there whether it's Tampa Bay whether it's Minnesota whoever they wind up playing to start the postseason we can kind of reevaluate from that point because the last few weeks and really since that Texas series we've had a lot of doom and gloom conversation around this team and rightfully so but you have to look at it sort of by a day-by-day process, and today it's the Yankees and a chance for this team to continue towards the postseason and continue righting some wrongs when it comes to uh, their record against American League East opponents this season. We'll see what they do. Again, 505 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, or you can watch 
across the Sportsnet television network. When we come back, checking in on the Calgary Flames, a couple days away from training camp, back from Penticton where he was on the mic. Brendan Parker is going to join us from Flames TV, get his point of view on another Young Stars classic in the books and see how Parks is feeling ahead of another training camp for the Calgary Flames. That, as Sportsnet Today rolls on on Tuesday, here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.